I'm Clyde Lewis, and you're about to listen to a sample of today's Ground Zero show. If you'd like to hear the podcast in its entirety, sign up at Aftermath.media. I'm Clyde Lewis, and this is Ground Zero. The numbers to call tonight, 503-225-0860. That's 503-225-0860. We're heard on stations across the country. We're on Thanksgiving Eve. I, I just can't believe that we're that close, that tomorrow it's going to be... Uh, be food and fun for everyone for sure and uh, of course we're grateful and thankful for all of you that have supported us during this past year uh, we have actually uh, been in these studios for a year now we were uh, actually we had to leave the other studios uh, we had to leave the other studios last year at this time day before we were really Disappointed that happened, but radio stations who stuck with us, we're very grateful for you. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Um, and we'd like to also thank TalkStream Live. They, uh, they've they been pushing us out there, linking to some of those radio stations that have been around uh, for the longest time. And also, uh, we'd like to thank Aftermath.fm, our affiliate on the internet, and uh, Aftermath.media. For all of you that have subscribed, all of you that have supported the show, we thank you. It keeps the show going. We have, of course, a lot of things that we have to do. Being an independent show, you know, we, we have a lot of things that we have to do to keep the show running, and you help us do that. And, and it just goes to show you just what independent talk radio can really do and how it can survive and how we're happy to be a part of it and what we're doing. Um, so today is the 24th of November. And what is funny is Wes Scottco, my producer, pointed this out, that I guess if you go back 50 years to November of 1971, all the dates seem to coincide. Everything is the same. The, the calendar of 1971 November is the same as the calendar of 2021 November. So it's 50 years. We see it repeat. And today, 50 years ago, the day before Thanksgiving, something happened in the Pacific Northwest that is a mystery. And, and uh, it continues to I don't know, be an interest of mine because of some of the things and circumstances in my life that have, that have put me in this position to look into the case. What happened was that back on November 24th, 1971, there was a passenger who uh, who wanted to air, get on an aircraft, a, a Northwest Orient Airlines aircraft, and he, and he did it under the name of Dan Cooper. The flight number was 305, and uh, he got on board at Portland International Airport. The flight was scheduled to be a quick flight north to Seattle-Tacoma, SeaTac Airport. But the plan had changed shortly after takeoff. Now, after ordering a drink, Dan Cooper revealed to a flight attendant that he had a bomb and demanded $200,000 in parachutes once the plane reached SeaTac Airport. His demands were met, and Cooper's fellow passengers safely disembarked. He then instructed some of the crew to fly him to Mexico City with a fuel stop in Reno, Nevada. However, when the plane was flying over southwest Washington, Cooper parachuted out of the plane with the ransom money and just vanished. He was never seen again or heard from again. And Cooper's identity has never been confirmed. Now, in 1980, there was a break in the case, kind of, well, along the Columbia River in Vancouver, Vancouver, Washington. A boy discovered $5,800 of damaged 20s 
And investigators confirmed that the bills, the serial numbers on the bills, were, of course, the Cooper ransom. And that was a good lead, but the lead didn't get any farther. And no more of the cash of the hijacking was ever found. $200,000 ransom Cooper received. That would have been an equivalent of about $1,352,513.45 today, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Five years ago, the FBI concluded its investigation into D.B. Cooper, and the Bureau announced in July of 2016 that it was ending one of the longest and most exhaustive investigations in FBI history. Now, while the loose ends remain, D.B. Cooper is a fixture here in the Pacific Northwest. He is a legend here in the Pacific Northwest. He's also finding his way into the pop culture again as a new movie is being made called Not If You Understand. And recently, for those of you who are Loki fans, Loki TV series on Disney+, Plus, there was a scene that showed Loki actually being D.B. Cooper in the first episode. And I remember when I saw that, it just made me, I just smiled. It, it warmed my heart. I thought, wow. But, you know, it, I thought, this is imaginative and it's funny and I wish they'd explore this some more, right? Because I thought it was kind of interesting because I think, uh, you know, the actor looked just like D.B. Cooper. But I wondered, though, if the young audiences knew who D.B. Cooper was. Because, I mean, it was like those of us who are older know, or some of us know, some of us don't know the story. But it was so amazing that they put Cooper in, in, a, in a comic book show like Loki. And I was just curious if the young audience knew who D.B. Cooper was and why some people see him as a bit of a folk hero, even though he would be considered a pirate or even a terrorist today. But, uh, you know, I've studied this case for a few years, um, and I've come up with an idea that there may be a connection uh, between D.B. Cooper psychological operations, black operations, and uh, a number of other things, like, for example, something that's very familiar to conspiracy theorists, Operation Northwoods. And I've thought about this for a long time. Operation Northwoods, for those who don't know, Operation Northwoods was a proposed false flag operations, uh, basically, against it was against the Cuban government. And uh, it originated within the U.S. Department of Defense and the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the United States government back in 1962. Now, what Northwoods proposed was, well, the proposals called for the CIA or other U.S. government operatives to stage and actually commit acts of terrorism against the American military and civilians. And then when they staged them and committed those acts of terrorism and, and, and problems with the military and civilians, they would blame them on the Cuban government, and they would use it to justify a war against Cuba. Now, that is what a false flag is, okay? Just because it's, they say it's a staged event does not mean that people don't die. It does not mean that people are not in trouble. They, they blow up buildings, and they will take out uh, homes or schools or whatever and make it look like somebody else did it. And, and, and the problem is, is that after Sandy Hook and when and everybody was talking about crisis actors and all that stuff, saying it was staged and everything, people have used that term false flag incorrectly because false flag stuff is is very real. People do die. People are attacked, but they're attacked by their own government or their own operations. And then they turn around and they blame it on someone else. Someone they want to, you know, it, it's like the Reichstag fire was a false flag attack. Germany said the communists did it. A bunch of Jews did it. But in reality, it was his soldiers that did it. I mean, January 6th is like the Reichstag fire in a lot of ways because people are still wondering who exactly was responsible 
for invading the Capitol? Was it false flag operations being carried out by Antifa and then they blamed it on Trump supporters? That's the question, right? That's what a false flag is. And so for the longest time, Operation Northwoods was being pushed. And of course, President Kennedy, you know, did not like the idea that we were going to, you know, create our own chaos and then blame it on the Cubans. And of course, all these are side stories to the JFK assassination links to Cuba and hijacking. And there was a whole hijack wave that went on in America during the Vietnam War, arguably the last hijacker of this period of time was D.B. Cooper. And with what I know about D.B. Cooper and the case of D.B. Cooper, I can make the argument that I think it was an inside job. I'm not saying that the crew was responsible or, or the idea that Kenny Christensen, who was an employee of Northwest Airlines, is the suspect. But I believe it was an inside job that was conducted by the alphabet agencies under the Operation Northwoods umbrella. D.B. Cooper was an agent. He was an agent that was asked to conduct a black ops project for the government and during the process went rogue because it was what basically was him giving the finger to the system, to those in power, you see. I mean, in my line of work, there's always the temptation to view great power and look at great power as a great evil, as a great monolith. And so, you know, D.B. Cooper, of course, was just one guy that worked for the FBI. I see that he worked for the FBI and basically he was the guy that went rogue. He was there to test the security, the security of the airport. And and he decided, well, you only go out once. I'm going to go out this way. That's my theory and my opinion of D.B. Cooper. But I'm sure many people have different thoughts and ideas about who D.B. Cooper was and why he did what he did. So 50 years ago today, we observe D.B. Cooper, the man who was the air pirate who got away with $200,000. And many people thought he lived and survived. Others think he drowned and died. There are a lot of opinions on this story, and we're going to explore them right here on Ground Zero. 503-225-0860. That's 503-225-0860. I'm Clyde Lewis. You're listening to Ground Zero, and we'll be back. You just listened to a segment of Ground Zero. If you'd like to hear previous shows along with having access to our online library and social media platform, sign up now at Aftermath.media. It's only $10 a month, and there's also yearly specials to fit your budget. Again, go to Aftermath.media. I'm Clyde Lewis, and thank you for supporting Ground Zero.